Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teaching through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. Sitting in here on the tour coach this week, I've been wanting to do this for a while. He's one of the great caddies in the game, an even better dude to hang out with. He put up with me in Japan, Jimmy Johnson. What you doing there, top three? Not much. Just waiting to talk to you again and have some more fun like we did in Japan. Good gosh, that was fun. I mean, how many people will sit and listen to me karaoke? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Takes patience, but we did it. Well, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you, I've told you this a thousand times. Back, I don't know, I don't know how many years ago it was, probably six, seven. You caddied for one of my longtime students, Bobby Wyatt, when he yep. was coming out and getting a start. I think it was at Hartford, and we were talking, and you made the comment, and it was a, I think it was from a Nick Price story about how players just need to brush their teeth yep. and, you know, and about not making changes. And, and Jimmy, you and I, we've been around this business a long time and you, you were also a great player. Like I think players today in particular lose sight of that stuff a lot and make lots of changes in their games and their swings and stuff all too easy when sometimes all you got to do is brush your teeth. Oh, I totally agree. You keep changing and, and chopping and changing, you forget about where your game actually is and what got you to where you were. Right. I mean, and, you know, you've been around. I mean, don't you think more players do that more now than, like, I mean, look, like you started with uh, Nick Price was right where you started for the most part. Like, did players back then change as much or did, you know, talk a little bit about some of the things you learned from, like, working with Nick, you know, and then with Stricker forever, and then you and JT had such a great run. Like, what what are the things that you, you know, as you've watched, how has the game changed and the great players changed over those years? Um, the great players, they change, but they don't change to, you know, like Tiger, he's changed his swing a few times, but he, he still did what his basics and what, what actually made him a great player, he kept those aspects of his game and just kind of like you just talked about, brush his teeth, so to speak. You don't need to do a root canal. All you need to do is keep brushing those teeth. Yeah. What were those things that he did that he does that makes him great? So he, I know you've been, hell, you can't even been around him forever. Tiger, is his self-belief is, is probably as strong as anybody's. He never got away from his roots, what made him really good, and, and a lot of it was his mind. He can tinker with his swing, but he never tinkered with his mind. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. I never really thought about that when thinking about Tiger and all the changes. It, I mean, and, and you're right, his self-belief. I don't think he – I can't ever see him doubt himself very much, whereas I think most every other player and, hell, most every teacher has doubted themselves at some point. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But, I mean, I remember one time when I was cutting for Nick, we were playing with Tiger, and um, – he got over the shot, and you could see that he was kind of confused, so he stepped away and, and started again. And he hit a good shot, and we were walking off the tee, and I said to Tiger, I said, SOP, huh? And he looked at me like, 
how the heck do you know that? And I said, standard operating procedure, huh? And he's <laughs> like, yep. So he, he had like a military precision to the way he approached stuff. And if he wasn't ready to hit, he didn't hit. He had right. to get all of his ducks in a row. But also it was to the point of where if his mind was racing too much, then he'd have to start over again because he had way too many thoughts. It's, it's like shooting a gun. You have to aim and pull the trigger. You can't aim and think about pulling the trigger and doing this and doing that. And to be honest with you, he actually kept it simple. It seemed complicated, but he actually kept it simple. So, Nick Price, what are some of the things that you learned that you've, like, you know, if you were caddying for a young kid, like I say I had a young kid coming out of college, I mean, got a few, that you know, real good players, and I got them on the bag with you, and you – took them for a couple tournaments, what would be some of the things that like you would take that you learned from Nick and you, and you learned, you know, you learned from guys like Strick and JT, what, right. what would be some of those things that you would help those young guys? Cause I think that was one of the things I enjoyed so much about when you, when you did caddy for Bob, like I, I just thought that was such valuable stuff. Like that you can't, you right. I mean like they can't learn that by taking a damn class. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. And, and I learned it from caddying for Nick Price cause he had, was the number one player in the world at one stage, and patience. I mean, I, I've watched Nick Price hit it in there like three feet from the hole three or four times in a row and miss it. But he just kept, kept doing his thing, kept hitting his shots, and eventually those putts went in, and next thing you know, he, he shot three or four under. He could have shot seven or eight, but he still shot three or four under because he stayed patient. Mm-hmm. That's hard to teach because, you know, you want it right now, and real fast and all of that. And that's one thing we went through with JT early on, that, that his patience was lacking quite a bit. That's right. He just wanted to take the course by the horns and, and just birdie every hole. Because he's so good, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. he's as talented as anybody you've been, been around and such a good, great young guy. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So what made Nick Price so good? Uh, his ball striking was incredible. He worked hard on his game. He had a lot of practice balls, and, you know, in the old days, that's the way you did it. You you got strong by hitting balls, not going to the gym and that sort of thing. And so it was the Ben Hogan style, you know, digging out of the dirt. Right. If you ever shook Nick Price's hands, it was like shaking one big kelly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I don't know that players today have to or do that right. as much as far as digging out. There's so much technology, and, and obviously exactly. – there's more people like me standing around all the time trying to help them. I don't know whether that's good or bad either, but no, it's great. But you know, then you said another, I'm, and some of these stories just it's like, I remember being at the deer and I asked you cause I was there same deal. And I said, yeah, what's up? What's, what's the cut <laughs> normally around here? Cause we needed to make a cut. <laughs> sure. And you said, I don't know. I've never had to worry about making the cut here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that was true, though, because that's a different world than what I'm in right now. <laughs> right. No, no, it, and it's true. It, it, it is a mindset, you know. What happens is if you start thinking about the cut, you, be, you get around the cut. If you start trying to win golf tournaments and, and doing your best and playing your game, the cut really shouldn't come into play too often unless you're really playing bad. Right. Hard to teach young guys coming out that, though, isn't it? It is. It is. And But, you know, it's amazing that, you know, you, you preach that, and they don't see the results. It's hard for them to, to believe it. But I'll give you an example of how it hit Justin like a ton of bricks the one time. We were trying to defend in Malaysia, 
and we were in the last group on Saturday, and he wasn't playing well at all. He was like three over, three or four over, I think. Yeah. And he was like nine shots behind the lead. And um, we were walking up to 14th hole, and I said to him, I said, JT, you just got to keep playing your game. You never know what's going to happen. I think he birdied five or six holes in a row before. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I know, I know. And to make a long story short, he birdied the last five holes, and by the third hole on Sunday, he had the lead again. So, <laughs> you know, it can turn around, but you just have to keep, as the old saying goes, if you're going to knock down a big tree, you just got to keep chopping at it. You're not going to take one swing and knock it down. You know, and, and and I've told you this about JT, like one of the qualities about him that I admire the most is how he could be like two over on the first day. Yep. And when you look on Sunday, he's in eighth place if he didn't win. Exactly. Or, and, and I mean, there's, to me, that's, that's like one of the qualities that like, I wish there was a way that like you could figure out how to teach that to these young folks that I spend time with coming up. Cause like that is being a professional golfer. No doubt, no doubt. And he, he, at first, he didn't do that. Right. It became a, a, a learned behavior, obviously. He, uh, at first, I mean, he wanted to win so bad that if he was in the top six or seven on Sunday and didn't get off to a good start, he might shoot 75 because he was so distraught that he uh, wasn't going to win the golf tournament. And, um, you know, his dad talked to him a lot about it. I talked to him a lot about it. And, JT will tell you right now, he plays 72 holes. He doesn't play 18, he doesn't play 36 or 54, he plays 72 holes. And over the course of 72 holes, you're going to have some adversity. Might be the first three holes of the tournament, might be the last three holes, might be three holes in the middle, or you never know. But if you play 72 holes and you play your game at that level, you're going to do pretty well. When you, as a caddy, when adversity happens on the golf course, because we get lots of teachers and lots of golfers that listen to this, like, how do you yep. help a player when they? Because I agree, like you're not going to play around the golf, much less 72 holes, without there being some adversity that where Absolutely. you feel like you know. And I've got I've got some young tour players too that always feel like they get the bad breaks. I just didn't get breaks, but they happen yep. to everybody. So how do you help people deal with that? Yeah, it's it's I wouldn't say hard. It's it's a juggling act. Different guys handle things differently, you know. I remember the one time I was telling Stricker, I said, hey, we're going to get that double back, you know, just we're head double and then a bogey or something. And I said, hey, just stay patient. We'll get it back. We'll make a couple of birdies here in a minute. And he turned to me and he said, I just want to make a damn par. I started <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, hey, good point. Let's get a par and then keep going. <laughs> That's classic. Talk about Strick. One of the things I've always liked, Cat, with you is like you, you had three, you take three great players, but they were all dramatically different in how they approached the game and how they played. And I think it's the same teaching, like as far as Caddy and like, you know, like every good player I've had hasn't, they're, they're not all alike. I think that's kind of the art of teaching. And I think that's the same with sure. Caddy. And like, you know, so Strick was way different than Price and JT was way different than Strick. What are some of the things you took from Strick and the things that made him great? Well, one of the things that made Strick great is that once he figured out his swing, because, I mean, I started with him in 08 and 05, he didn't have a card at all. He had been a really, really good player in one tournament, but he didn't have a card. So he was he was really fighting his swing and trying to, you know, get back on track. But once he figured out his swing, he didn't want to change it at all. He wanted to. He knew that that was good enough because he had a great short game. And if he could just keep it, you know, on the road, so to speak, yeah, 
between the ditches that um, he was going to find a way to score. Yeah, that's great. Listen, I, I was with a junior or a college player the other day, and I said, like, he needs to figure out, like, when he, what his instead of like searching for crazy extra distance or searching for something magical, he's already a Division One player. Like he needs to figure out how to beat everybody with his skill set. Correct, and that's that's the hard part. Is mm-hmm. giving them their attributes to their advantage. Yeah. And so like, I mean, and to me that's fascinating too. That like Strick had those struggles. But then once he figured it out, I mean, he was smart. The genius is that he was smart enough to know that he figured it out and not change it. Most players don't aren't that smart. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> yeah. true. You know, I probably should edit that, but <laughs> for future employment issues. <laughs> but <laughs> early on, I mean, when I started tidying for Shirker, he still had some, you know, driving issues, and you know, he wasn't as good as he was at the end, but. I mean, I remember two or three or at least three times in a row he had to chip out and hit a wedge in there about six or seven feet and make a par and just keep going. And those are the kind of things that if you if you have belief in your game that you can just chip it out instead of going for it and hitting a tree and making a double bogey and that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I, to me, that's when you watch, like, the great players, you know, when they're playing their best golf. Like, they just – they don't ever seem to take a bad shot – and compound it to a worse situation, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, and I think the best players and the best caddies out there, you guys, like, you know, you understand, like, okay, so we hit a bad shot. Like, I mean, we're going to make three more birdies today or whatever. It doesn't kill you, you know, whereas you see young guys coming up and one mistake, you can look at the scorecard and see, like, okay, here's where the bad drive is, and then there's three bogeys in a row because they kept trying to force things when you can't do it. Exactly, exactly. And that that goes back to the patience and maturity and the old saying, one shot at a time. But that actually worked, <laughs> believe it or not. Right. Absolutely. And then now, now we'll go to JT, and then I got some more stuff for you. But, like, what makes JT so great? What were his best attributes, and what can people learn from what he does? JT has got a, a huge heart for golf. He, uh, he wants to do well so bad and doesn't, doesn't care – what it takes, he's going to do it to get to where he wants to be. And, you know, at first it was kind of he couldn't see the forest for the trees. But once he started seeing his way, he figured it out pretty quick. Yeah, great golf IQ, don't you think? Got to be from, you know, his dad, his grandfather, were golf professionals, sure. or are golf professionals. And, I mean, like just unbelievable. I remember, you know, being around him with Tad at Alabama. And, yeah. I mean, just great golf IQ. Always seemed older and wiser as far as golf than his age. Yes, he he, he is very wise. I, I mean, he knows what it takes to hit a big slice or a high hook or whatever. He he um, He's a shot maker, for sure. And and that, that came, I'm sure, from spending all day on the golf course at his dad's course, you know, just hitting shots, trying shots, hitting flop shots, and, and that sort of thing. So he, he's not one-dimensional by any means. He, he's got a lot of different shots. To me, he's almost a little bit like a throwback to an older player where so many of them nowadays with the track mans and all that stuff, you know, don't do as much different stuff with it. Like, to me, he's almost more like like some of the guy in, in like, how he plays and shapes it, like more like some of the guys you would have caddied for earlier on. Yes, yes, absolutely. Kind of like a Nick Price and that sort of thing. When he won the BMW at Medina, he left the range every day not knowing where his golf ball was going. He was so frustrated. Really? Yes. And, 
He, he won like, by like 10. He had like a six, five or six shot lead going into Sunday. And we walked on the first team. And you're going to have to help me today. I, I got no idea where the ball's going. They're just going to, you know, we're going to have to play Bart and this and that. And I said, JT, you got this. You just go out and play golf. Don't play golf swing. You play golf. And he's like, yeah, I, I get it. I got it. I got it. And he can aim a hook or aim a slice. And that's more of a positive, you know, I'm going to do this as opposed to let's try not to do something. And so that, that's where Justin is good on the fly. If he doesn't have it that day, he'll figure something out to, to getting through that day, and then we'll live to play another day. That's what I think separates him. I think, and I, like your opinion, I think that the great players able to do that, guys that struggle off and on, you know, that maybe don't get over the hump, I mean, when they're good, I think all those guys are good. Like, they're good. Sure. It's all great, you know? Absolutely. But, you know, and that's why guys, you know, jump out and win and whatever. But, like, I mean, to be consistent weekend, I mean, you can't be good all damn season. I mean, you just – every time you tee it up. And the great it's ones just seem not going to happen. Everybody's human. You know? Yep. I mean, it's crazy. The other thing I think that's great about, like, JT is obviously the golf world's changed with you know, like fitness has become a huge part of everything and power and all that. And like, he's, he's dedicated to me and committed to like, I know the work, how hard he works with Colby. He's dedicated to every part of what it takes to be great at the game of golf and to be the best player in the world. Whereas not everybody's committed to all aspects of it. That's exactly right. That's what I was saying earlier. He's going to do whatever it takes to be the best player that he can be. And he's dedicated to the game. There's no doubt about it. You know, this came to me when we were just talking now about the fitness and everything. I totally believe, because Tiger was one of the first guys to do that. Right. And I totally believe that being fit and working out all the time actually helps you become mentally stronger, too. Agree. Because I think that there's too many, you get out of, there's too many times you just don't feel like getting up and going and doing it. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And, and exactly. And, you know, if you get tired, your mind starts wandering and, and that sort of thing. But if you're focused on what you're doing, like, I'm going to go work out whether I like it or not, and you have to get focused on it. The same thing with the golf when you get to the course. There are days that you don't feel like playing. I mean, everybody's human. It just, you don't feel like you have it. You don't really feel well or something. But you have to stay dedicated to it. And I think that's what Justin does really, really well. You know, and there's lots of great, tons of great qualities uh, about it. But I think that uh, just, yeah, I mean, he's committed and he's dedicated to that. Uh, you know, he's committed and do- and does that. And also, you've just watched how he's, you know, to me, one of the cool things, too, is like I tell juniors and people all the time is that I think one thing that makes great players great is their attention to the details and the things that nobody ever notices. Correct. Absolutely. And, and it's like, it's like the little things, like you said. A lot of times it does go unnoticed, but if you're there every day and see it like I did, it doesn't go unnoticed. But right. to the public eye, it does go unnoticed. And, you know, like I, I said this to a, I said this to a college player. I was like, I, you know, when I was working with Lucas, I've, I've been down to the Bears Club a, a hundred times. Yes. And 80 of, 70 of those times, JT be out there, right? Yeah. And he always, one thing that's great about him is he always made a point to come over and say hi to me because I knew him from college. Yeah, always, always, always personable, right? Always took time, which I think Uh serves him well and everything. But every time I saw him, he was doing basically the same two or three damn putting drills. Yeah. Like, he never changed. He, like, has an awareness 
of what he needs to do to be good for his putting or whatever. And yet, like you go to a you go to a college tournament, you see kids. I mean, every time they practice, they're doing different things. Right. You know. And then so is it the yeah? Then what's actually making you play better? The new drill, the old drill, what drill? You know. You right. Know. And what was it the same with? I mean, obviously they're different generations, but like. Nick and Strick did that. I mean, it seems like great players are creatures of habit and then like they figure out how they need to practice the two or three things that they need to do and they need to work on, you know, and I read an article a long time ago about Nick, how he worked on the same two or three things for a long time yes. without a lot of success. Like that's a huge valuable lesson for those coming up to me. There's no doubt about it. And, and you know, Nick, always said you always go back to your flaws your flaws are your flaws and you always for some reason go back to them but as long as you know what your flaws are and you keep that circle very small where you're fixing small little things all the time as opposed to keeping that circle big and fixing this and that and this and that then you're going to be more consistent i think it's harder for younger players now to do that too because i think there's so many more people that get around them you know get around them the technology more is not always better. No, I mean you you know, you've got agents that think they know how to teach. You you know, you've got short game teachers, full swing mm-hmm. teachers, mental coaches. I mean and you know, Colby and I do a lot of work together as you know, and he always he right. writes to me like he and I think one of the reasons we work so well is he, he, he always says that the best teams the people know how to stay in their lane. Exactly. But I think that's hard for these young guys because there's so much out there and one bad week, everybody's willing to jump in with an answer. And sometimes it was just a bad week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're all humans at the end of the day. We're going to have bad weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's. A, I mean, but and again, I, I've just always been fascinated. Like, I always like to sit back and watch. And I would watch you and JT at tournaments, and you were always doing the same stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> it worked. <laughs> right? If it's not broke, don't try to fix it. And then, and then you'd watch, and I'd also watch too people he'd play with practice rounds, especially earlier on. Like he was playing with the veterans, right? Like the guys you could. I mean, obviously his relationship with Tiger is phenomenal, and that's unbelievable to get that knowledge. But playing with guys that maybe you don't think of as being the best players in the world anymore would go play nine holes with them and stuff like that. To me, that's. I mean, those are lessons that those coming up can learn from. No doubt. And, and, and JT is like a sponge. He wants to know. He wants to learn. And that, that was one of the things early on that, that he and I talked about. It's like, I can't tell you everything that I know that I've learned from Stricker and Nick Price all in one week. You'd be going crazy. You know, you just have to, you have to figure it out for yourself. And what's good for Nick is not good for you. And what's good for you might not be good for Strick. But you have to figure out where your lane is, what you do best, what you can comprehend, and that sort of thing. And it's it's self-awareness is basically what it is. And once you get that and have that, it's a lot easier to focus on what you need to do. Yeah, it's the same for teachers, just being aware, you know? It is, it is. And, and you know, I, I've seen it a lot, and, and you've probably seen it a lot in teachers, is that when guys are playing well, they'll say, well, how's it look? And, and then... Just because they're paying a teacher, the teacher feels like he has to say something when sometimes saying nothing is going to be a lot better. I mean, I I remember Strick a few times. He's like, how does that look? I, it looks pretty good. And it's like, well, what's wrong with it? I'm like, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's that 
I said, if you're hitting the ball good and your club is within parameters, like an inch off or whatever, and you're still hitting the ball good, I'm not going to say anything because golf is not a game of perfect. Yeah. So as long yeah. as like you got the training wheels on, you'll be fine. You're not going to fall over. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that inherently lots of players are always, when the ball isn't going where they want or whatever, they always think there's something wrong with their swing. Yeah. And then they want somebody to tell them something that fixes that wrong when all too often, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I mean, they just, they hit a right. bad shot. Like you keep saying, they're human. Yeah. It's a, you're just not, your body's not working like it does. Every day your body works a little bit different. You might have mm-hmm. slept different. You know, you might have, I don't know, tweaked a hamstring. You never know. You know, your foot might be hurting from having shin splints or something. Just, you have to deal with it every day. As you get older, it's worse. You get in your 40s, you know. You're telling no about the flood there. (laughs) Come on. You still spry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Back to JT, one of the best things that Justin ever did was was go, go, I I sent him to Tiger. I said, Tiger loves you. Go over there. He can't play right now, but he can chip and putt. Go over there and chip and putt with him. Pick his brain. Learn shots. Tiger's got a million shots, like mm-hmm. how to hook it, run it up the hill, hooking it against the hill where it stays straight, all kinds of stuff like that. Those shots are invaluable. I mean, you can't – I can't tell you how many times that Justin's hit this one particular shot that he's learned that's probably won two or three tournaments for him. Yeah. yeah. I always tell, like, teachers will ask me, like, hey, what did you learn? What do you teach in your short – when you teach short game? And I, I would say, like, all the – anything I teach short game, most of the stuff I've learned, I've learned from just walking practice rounds and watching great players. Like Exactly. You know, the stuff they tell you about short game, these teaching manuals, isn't the best. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, but it's, it's all, you know, dependent on the person. Justin. Yeah has a shot now, or two shots, actually, a 60 and a 70-yard shot that he's been working on for probably the last two and a half years, that even like when he won the BMW at Medina, he hit it in the water on 15 on Saturday. We got our point, and he's like, what do we got here? I thought, I got 50. And he's like, all right, well, let's go back 10 yards, and they hit it to like three feet, and off he went. Off he go, yeah. Man, he's such, he's such a good wedge player. He is, but he worked uh, hard on it. Yeah. And I think, too, that shows, like, the wisdom to understand that being a great wedge player wins you golf tournaments. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. That's why Stricker was so good, his wedge game. I mean, we were in the John Deere practice round, I mean, probably one year, and Stricker had 89 yards. He's like, what are the odds on me holding this? I said, I'll give you 10 to 1 for a dollar. And he's like, all right, you got it. Of course he made it. Of course. (laughs) Jimmy, this has been awesome, man. You're one of the great dudes out there. You're always taking time anytime I've asked you a question and always enjoy picking your brain. And hopefully you're having a, you're going to have a good holiday season. And hopefully I'll see you back out there kicking around soon. Uh, you're probably having too much fun being on your boat and going to Mexico. Yeah, I, I just got back from Mexico and um, I've actually started playing golf again for the first time in about 20 years. So um, I'm kind of enjoying that too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for everything and always for the support and for hanging out with me. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon, buddy, and hanging out. Sounds great. I look really forward to seeing you again. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines, 
for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.